0: Hi everyone, my name is Ryan Stacey and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is presented by StatsCoach. Stats Coach is a hockey analytics company which works with the minor and junior hockey community. For more information, visit www.statscoach.ca or contact StatsCoach at Outlook.com. Today we're going to talk with Trevor Murphy, the Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations and Alternate Governor with the Newfoundland Growlers. I met Trevor a few years ago while working at a summer camp in Torbay, Newfoundland. Trevor came in to give a teamwork and leadership presentation to the camp staff and we had a quick conversation before he left. Little did I know, a few years down the road, that conversation would lead to an internship opportunity with the Newfoundland Growlers and allow me to be a part of the Kelly Cup championship winning team in their inaugural season. For those of you who don't know Trevor, he is a brilliant hockey mind and an even better leader. From day one... After talking with him and then interning with the Growlers, he was always there to lend a helping hand and offer guidance in different areas of operations and hockey in general. I think when Trevor said that he'd come on his podcast, I was ecstatic because it's a great opportunity for everyone to learn in the same capacity that I did. It's people like Trevor who offer their guidance in all different areas of the game who really forward this industry and help others succeed. Without further ado... Here's Trevor Murphy of the Newfoundland Growlers. All right, on the podcast today, we have Trevor Murphy, the Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations and Alternate Governor with the Newfoundland Growlers. Trevor, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Hey, Ryan, thanks for having me on.
0: So yeah, we're kind of just going to get right into it. Uh, people are really interested about the background to people in hockey operations, uh, you know, where you grew up, your upbringing, and maybe your involvement in sport from your uh, youth days and playing up through high school. So maybe just touch on that and tell people a bit about uh, who you are and where you come from.
1: All right, perfect. No, thanks, Ryan. Um, yeah, so for me, I, I grew up in uh, Mount Pearl, Newfoundland, Labrador, and played all my uh, my minor sports uh, in Mount Pearl, minor baseball, minor hockey, and uh, played all the way up through the system. And that's, I think, I developed my love for the game, you know, through my time in, in minor sports. That's where, you know, I had some great coaching and, and some great people around me and really kind of instilled the – passion for the game at a young age, um, you know, having played up through the minor hockey system, I, I did play high school hockey as well, and then went on to play a little bit of junior hockey here in the St. John's Junior League uh, while I was going to university of Memorial. So it gave me a chance to continue to play in the game. Um, at that time, I kind of knew where I was going in my own playing career, um, but obviously I wanted to keep playing the game, stay active in it, um, you know, while going to university. And around that time as well, through my high school days and uh, in my university, I, I got really involved in, in the coaching side of the game, and that's, I guess, became a, bit of a launching point for for my career. Um, had a chance to work with some Hockey Canada programs, some Hockey Newfoundland and Labrador programs, uh, met some great people, and they they helped open some doors. To be quite honest with you, um, so I certainly was I was fortunate along the way to you know to meet some great people, have some great experiences, and. I think the fact that I had so many positive experience as a young player uh, that really helped as I said earlier, kind of instill my love for the game if it had to be the other way, obviously I don't think i would be doing what I am right now um but because there was a kind of that passion instilled around some great people who you know taught me to love the game and what the game was all about, um that gave me the kind of the drive to you know see it through and you know we were kind of chatting off here quickly there, but you know a lot of people wonder about my 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 background education wise but my memorial education at university was a major in history and minor political science and my, my plan after I met some people within Hockey Canada was, was work for Hockey Canada but I knew a lot of them had edu- education backgrounds and uh, my backup plan was to be a teacher if the hockey world didn't work out. Um, so I, I completed my history, completed my political science, and I started doing my education degree and then while in the midst of that I had an offer, uh, actually I had I turned it down twice, but I had a job offer to work for the Newfoundland Labrador Summer Games. I turned it down twice because I wanted to finish my education degree. They came back a third time, and I figured if they asked three times, that might be a sign to take this and see where it goes. So yeah. that's kind of where it got started, and then from there, um, I'm sure we'll get more into it as we talk, but Hockey Canada, the Oilers, Ice Caps, and then the Growlers, so it's been a great run and um like i said lots of positive experiences along the way which has really helped create that love of the game
0: yeah no i mean like we were talking about it's kind of a it was a different background you had with school and then transitioning to hockey uh, i'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are maybe in that same boat uh we get a lot of people who do sport management and those kinds of uh degrees and schooling but you never know sometimes you could be doing like you said history or political science and just have that opportunity to transition into something else uh, so you said that you uh, were with Hockey Canada. Why don't you talk about your time working at the Atlantic Regional Centre and just kind of what that experience was all about?
1: Yeah, so that opportunity came for me. And just to touch on your point there quickly, Ryan, with regards to the education side is that, you know, a lot of people I, I've worked with over the years have an educational background, but a lot of them do as well have that sport management side. Um like I said, for me, that backup plan was to be a teacher. And I think the education is important um, and getting something behind you that you can always have in your back pocket. But the one thing I would suggest, and it kind of leads into my answer for your next question, but I think with whatever education you have, it's so important to get involved, uh, whether it be by volunteering, taking on some part time opportunities with a, a hockey team in your area. But, you know, so the education is important, but getting involved and getting a world. Um, so that's kind of where it started with me. I mentioned in just a few minutes ago that for me, I got really heavy into volunteering and, and being a part of my, my local minor hockey world, uh, going through high school, going through university. And then while I was in university, we actually had a chance to host uh, the Peewee Atlantics in Mount Pearl. And uh, that was when I had my first real connection with Hockey Canada, a gentleman by the name of Pat McLaughlin, who became a mentor for me and a good friend over the years. Um, Pat was working for Hockey Canada at the time, and I, I knew about Hockey Canada. I watched World Juniors like everybody else, watched the Olympics, and and knew the the connection to our, our national organization. But I never realized we had an Atlantic office, and didn't realize the amount of staff and opportunities that may exist within the Hockey Canada structure. So having a chance to work with Pat over that uh, that year with the Wee Atlantic's was was special for me and. I really think again helped launch what it was because Pat has certainly opened some doors for me along the way and uh, he opened the door for me to go work for Hockey Canada. He was impressed with me as a, as a young person you know doing what I was doing, uh, balancing school, working in hockey or I guess uh, balancing school and volunteering in hockey I should say. And he became uh, he became interested in what I was about and uh, he opened the door so for me I moved away to St. John New Brunswick in 2000 and uh, started for Hockey Canada at that time and, and spent nine years there. And absolutely loved St. John, New Brunswick. Loved working for Hockey Canada. It was uh, the start of making a dream come true type of thing. Um, and the great thing about Hockey Canada and the Atlantic Regional Centre was that I was involved in almost every aspect of hockey in the grassroots area. So whether it was uh, parent sessions or skills clinics for young players, um, coaching clinics, and then you know, our high-performance programs with our Atlantic Challenge Cup and Team Atlantic programs on the male and female side all these types of different things happening that, you know, working very closely with the development uh, committee that we had throughout Atlantic Canada and each of the four provincial branches. Uh, it, was, it was great because I had an opportunity to really learn uh, from some great people um, and just to, again, kind of build that experience as a, as a hockey professional. So that whole Hockey Canada opportunity was just phenomenal. And I can't say enough of good things about the opportunities I had within the organization and, and the people I worked with. This is a fantastic experience and and so many wonderful experience I took from it you know getting a chance to go to world championships um, again national championships et etc just again fantastic time and had some fantastic people through the through that route
0: no for sure and, and like people always say to me when I talk with different people in the industry uh, the best the best thing that you can get out of experience is just multiple, faucets of the game like you said you're meeting with parents and working with high performance or doing all the different tasks associated with running uh, hockey canada so uh, it sounds like it was a great time and and like you said you met a lot of great people and had some great experiences i guess what people are pretty interested in is how you transition into the nhl after that i know you spent some time with edmonton oilers on the community and consumer partnership side so uh, how did that opportunity come about, and how was it uh, maybe transitioning away from the players a little bit more and more so into the business side at the NHL level?
1: Yeah, so it, it kind of has to go back to Pat McLaughlin again, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, Pat uh, was working. He worked at the Atlantic Regional Centre when I first met him. Then he made the move to uh, Hockey Canada and Calgary at the, at the main office there, and uh, had worked there for a long time and uh, did some great things. And then at, at one point he decided to make the move into professional hockey himself and over to the Edmonton Oilers uh, overseeing uh, brand and marketing and, and things like that. So uh, back in late 2008, he, he approached me to see if I was interested in making a move out to Edmonton. And uh, at the time, again, I was really enjoying the Hockey Canada experience and everything was great, but it was, it was hard to turn out a chance to work with Pat directly. And then also a chance to make the move to the NHL and experience that because, you know, for a lot of us, you know, involved in this world, that's where you want to be and to have that experience and see what it's all about. So, you know, the the whole community side, I was working with the Oilers. I, I went there, kind of oversee a lot of their community programs, grassroots hockey programs, et cetera. And the nice thing about Hockey Canada as well was that it did, you know, allow me to kind of get into the business world a little bit because we were kind of doing the business of hockey as well as the grassroots side. But um, you know, going out to Edmonton was a different piece, obviously, because now you're going from Hockey Canada, like a nonprofit type thing into the Edmonton Oilers, which is NHL and big business. So it was certainly an opportunity for me to learn that side of it. And uh, once again, I, I couldn't have been more impressed with the people out in Edmonton, just the way they, they ran the organization and obviously the history that the Oilers had with the, the Greskis and the Coffees and, and all those great players that came through. And then when I was there, you know, there was lots of excitement around Jordan Everly and and Taylor Hall and some of this young talent that they were drafting. Um, So it was, it was a fun time to be there that the results weren't on the ice, like the organization had hoped, but in terms of a following off the ice, the season ticket holder base was incredible. Uh, The merchandise sales and the brand is so strong in Northern Alberta that it was, it was fun to be a part of. And I was able to take some of the things I learned from my Hockey Canada days and bring them to Edmonton because where there was a real focus on the grassroots side, um, obviously making connections with various community partners and, uh, you know, making sure the Oilers brand was strong in the community. So, you know, you know, going back and certainly I've I've thanked Pat many times over the years, but he was really someone that opened the door for me. and I I still talk to him to this day and he's someone that's been a a tremendous uh, mentor to me and uh, just the way he conducted himself. So, you know, really he opened the door at Hockey Canada, opened the door at the Oilers and uh, had a you know chance to spend three years there. And, you know, just while I wasn't directly involved in the hockey side at that time, you know, you're still close to it, obviously. You know, you're at you're at the games, you're watching what's happening, you know, a chance at that time, you know, Kevin Lowe and Steve Tambellini and, and some others, and just a way that just to be able to see how they did conducted themselves day in and day out and the passion and commitment they put forward um you know you really start to ha- you start to appreciate the passion that hockey management um personnel have you know the long hours and everything else but you know without that passion without that commitment it's it's a tough to- gig to be in and you really start to see um you know being up close how great these guys are and how hard they work
0: yeah no that's a, that's a great point you talk about the passion that it takes to work at that high level of hockey and and like you said the edmonton had a great fan base and everybody was very excited about the uh you know, the changing of the culture there and some of the young, exciting players. Uh, when you look at exciting fan bases, uh, you know, in 2011, hockey came back to Newfoundland with the ice caps, and you were fortunate enough to be a part of that process. Uh, what, what was your initial thoughts when you heard about that opportunity? And what was it like being a part of bringing back hockey to a place that was really, you know, starving for that atmosphere and just took a hold of it from day one?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, you know, even when I was living away in New Brunswick and in Edmonton, I, I still kept close contact with my, my friends and my hockey colleagues here. And I was still coming back, doing some hockey schools and stuff in the summertime and staying in touch with Mount Perminer Hockey and Hockey Newfoundland Labrador. So I, I guess, you know, even though physically I was away, uh, there was a still a bigger piece of me that was, was here in Newfoundland. So when I heard that the, the ice caps were coming to, to Newfoundland, um, I reached out to Glenn just to have an initial conversation with him, Glenn Stanford, and uh, kind of started from there. And I, I knew Glenn a little bit just through the, his be- day back with the the Baby Leafs and stuff and the American Hockey League, but I didn't know him real well. But reached out and and had some initial conversation with him, and then kind of things went from there. Um, you know, back in two thousand eleven when the Ice Caps came, um, as much as I was enjoying my time in Edmonton, and, and they, you know were happy with my work and wanted me to stick around, it was a chance for me to come back home and work in professional hockey. And, you know, with a young family at the time, uh, my parents and my family were still back here. So it was just a nice opportunity, I thought, to get back to be around family and to, you know, still work within the game, which was important to me. And, you know, finding that balance between, you know, your passion for work and your family is an important piece for all of us. And, this seemed to be a good opportunity for us to get back and, and to be part of something special because the province had been without pro hockey for a while and there was a chance to come back and do something special. And, you know, I, I, looking back now too with the Winnipeg Jets, we were their farm team for four years and they were just starting up and getting things rolling and there was so much energy around the Jets and, and their startup that I just thought, hey, this is a great opportunity. You're going to be connected to the Jets who were exciting and, and fun to watch. Uh, they had so much excitement going on in Winnipeg. And we had that next level of, you know, jets coming through the St. John's ice caps. Um, So when I came back, I I took the job with them. And it was once again, focused on the community grassroots hockey type side, Um, you know, still connected to hockey ops a little bit at at different levels. But, you know, there's just the excitement around the team in that first season. And and actually the first, you know, the first three seasons were, were incredible. And then things changed a little bit in the fourth. Um, but, you know, th- those four seasons with the Winnipeg Jets side of the ice caps were phenomenal. And then the tears with the Canadians. And, you know, I grew up a big Montreal Canadiens fan. Uh, so I have a chance to kind of be connected to the Montreal Canadiens organization in some way through that as well. Ryan was was a special thing. And, um, you know, once again, great relationships with, um, you know, with the Montreal Canadiens organization. I met some wonderful people there as well. And, you know, there's so much to. If you keep your ears and eyes open, you can learn so much. You know, by watching what these people do each day, and that was certainly the case. You know, through the Jets' um, time here with us in Saint John's, and then through the Canadians' time with us in Saint John's, you know, I feel like I've given something back to them as well. But I certainly learned a lot from all those people I've been around.
0: Yeah, and and like you said, there's so many uh, people involved, and being involved in two different organizations, you really get to meet a lot of people and. Made a lot of great hockey minds, uh, whether it be on the business side or the operations side. Uh, in w- During that experience, we also uh, went to the Calder Cup final. Uh, maybe the result wasn't what people in St. John's yeah. wanted, but that was a fun experience. And then the All-Star game as well. Uh, touch on those experiences and what you learned being involved in two big events here on the island.
1: Yeah, the, the All-Star game, I, I remember you know, being involved in a support role on that. And, and certainly Glenn was a, was a huge driving force on that and bringing it here. And he had some experience with All-Star Games in the past and Robbie Maloney and, and others within our organization. Um, but that was just a phenomenal experience to have, you know, the, the eyes of the American hockey world on, on us at that time uh, with the game. And then to their credit uh, with, with Glenn and some others, they looked at want to do something different from the usual All-Star format. So they brought in a, a club team from Sweden, uh, you know, from the Swedish elite league, I believe if my memory serves me correct. And, uh, they play against the AHL all-star. So they did the skills competition. We did the game. Uh, and it, I, I thought it was awesome to be quite honest with you. It was, I, I believe it brought a bit more of a competition level to it. than we've seen sometimes over the years in all-star games, uh, it was something different that the fans got behind and enjoyed. Um, and then and I just remember some of the cool off-ice events that they did as well to really bring people into the whole culture of Newfoundland and Labrador. So the whole All-Star experience was phenomenal. And, you know, for us to be there and have the, again, if memory serves me correct, the game was on the NHL network and, and other things. So it was really a chance for St. John's to promote what they're all about as a, as a hockey market and a, a city and a province. So that, that was phenomenal. And then the uh, the caller Cup, yeah, as you mentioned, and a bit—it's kind of a bit of, it's kind of a blur to me now. I Maybe mean, that's good and bad, but <laughs> you know, thinking back, and if memory serves me correct, it was three overtime games. Yeah, um, it was right series. Yeah, it was quite a series, and Texas was really good. And I was listening to Jason Jaffrey do something here recently on one of our Growler Hour broadcasts, and Jason was talking about it and talking about what a phenomenal run it was, and how it was—you know—one of the highlights of his career, despite it being a loss but something that you won't forget and how good that team was back then. Um, you know, I, I remember in the building and, you know, losing on home ice was never fun when you see the the other team celebrating and you're on your center ice logo and um, you know, in your dressing rooms and stuff like that. But in, in terms of just experiencing it and it was something that when I started in hockey, I always wanted to win a, you know, a major championship and having been that close to it, then I think it just, it fuels you more to be doing the right things on the ice and off the ice for that opportunity. So I, I think I could speak for everybody within the organization, it was certainly a very disappointing loss, but at the same time, it, it taught us how much we wanted it again. And um, to see, you know, again, what you need to do to get over that, that hump to be a championship type team.
0: Yeah. I think, I think we see it time and time again in professional sports and professional hockey. You always have to, go through the experience of maybe losing or falling short to really gain that extra boost that you need when the time matters to propel yourself into a championship. Uh, as you said, the ice caps had a little bit of a change there halfway through and joined the Montreal Canadiens organization. And then they eventually transitioned their AHL team to Laval. Uh, shortly after you joined the edge with the, uh, basketball here in St. John's, uh, Talk about that experience and what it was like transitioning to a different sport, and even bringing basketball to a town that was primarily hockey fans at the time.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a totally different experience, Ryan. It was uh, obviously you're still involved in sport. Um, you know, we went that year without hockey here in the market, and um, you know, I, at, at the time there was a couple of different opportunities for maybe for me to maybe go away and do something else, but I wanted to stay within Saint John's because I was hopeful that hockey would come back. Um and 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 it did, which was great. But for that one year working within basketball and, and Glenn Stanford was a big piece of that again, getting the team here and such. And um so he kind of kept a few of us around that were involved with the ice caps that were interested in, in getting involved with the basketball side. And um, you know, it really kind of opened my eyes and, and in some ways I think helped prepare us for what was coming next with regards to the ECHL and that and um because it was a different market, we had to we had to introduce and educate our market on a different product. And so the NBL and and the Saint John's Edge, you know, it was a it was a full launch basically. We we launched the Edge. Uh, we had to kind of educate fans on the league. And and to your point, we never had professional basketball here in, in the province before. Uh, personally, I played a bit of junior high basketball for a year or so and had some great one on one games in my backyard with my older bro- my younger brother. But you know, it was, uh, it was something I hadn't been around, so even for me, just to kind of learn some of the ins and outs of the basketball operations versus the hockey operations was different. But it was, it was a great learning experience, and, and Jeff Dunlap, who we had here in that first year uh, as a coach, uh, had some great background from NCAA, and uh, he was a great uh, resource to me in that year. Obviously, Carl coming back and being a big part of our team, Carl English. Um, you know, it was interesting to be around him for that year and to see some talk about some of his experiences at, at different levels that he played. Um, so, yeah, we, we really enjoyed that first year of the St. John's Edge and, and launching it and the success it had in that first year was really fun to be a part of. Um, but, yeah, you know, having the hockey in my blood, we were, I was kind of excited to see what was next, but definitely enjoyed that year with the Edge and uh, had some great experiences from it.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And and you said you kept referencing the point that you were almost preparing for what was coming next, and you, you still had that tie to hockey that was ultimately what you were looking for if the opportunity came up. So not long after uh, the opportunity came to bring ECHL hockey to St. John's with the Newfoundland Growlers, uh, what was the? how was that a little bit different maybe at the ECHL level, maybe having a little bit more control if you, as people – uh, do at the AHL level and and what was the excitement uh, within the organization around that time bringing that product back to Newfoundland again?
1: Yeah there was a there was a big time buzz I thought within the city within the province that the pro hockey was coming back. Um, there was a I, I think some uncertainty among the, ba- the fan base of what the ECHL was um, having been around the AHL for so long and then you know, with the Devils coming here for the three years. So people got a taste of major junior hockey, but they had never seen ECH ho- ECHL hockey before. So it was, an, it was an interesting time that we were, there was so much buzz around the team. Um, you know, I, I thought that Dean McDonald and Glenn Stanford and, and the whole team did a great job with regards to the, the name and the logo. And that was a really fun launch to be a part of, to kind of bring that whole uh, Growlers uh, piece to the province. Um, but we, we knew that we had to do some education, what this league was about. And the, the fact that, you know, our connection with the Maple Leafs, um, and the fact that they have such a passion for, um, their organization, their development of players, and they truly care about the players within their organization and their staff, etc. Um, I think that helped us because we were able to showcase that the Leafs were going to be a part of this with us, that they were very dedicated to, um, what they wanted from the Newfoundland Growlers, that they want to see players come up through this organization, you know, through the Growlers, through the Marlies, and then hopefully into the Maple Leafs someday. So to, um, you know, have that connection early, I, I believe it helped with our education to fans. And then when we seen the number of AHL contracts and even some NHL contracts that we had as part of the Growlers, it, it, it really showcased the, uh, the talent of players and when you've seen the number of players in the last two years, that have kind of gone up and down between uh, our team and, and the Marlies, it, it shows that they're like they're a step away, basically, from the American Hockey League. And when you look back to that first year team, you know, Hudson ellenuk and uh, Kristen Rubens became full-time members of the Marlies this past year, and were valuable members of that team. You know, we had other players going back and forth all the time. I won't get into names, I don't want to miss anybody, but we had a lot of players going back and forth uh, throughout the season and and contributing members of the team. And then when you brought in, you know, we look back to with the local players we had, uh, they were, they were great. And they weren't just there because they were local players. They were good hockey players. Adam party with his experiences at the NHL, AHL level. Um, you know, James Melinda becomes our captain. Uh, his experiences in, in the pro game, uh, Marcus power, Zach O'Brien, two very talented forwards who scored a lot of points for us. Zach had won a Calder cup previously, Marcus had a good major or a great major junior career and then had a great uh, university opportunity with the university of PEI. So you bring in four players, local players who had a connection to the community uh, who brought a great hockey resume with them and then became very valuable members of that initial team. So I think when you, when you do that and then you create a good business team around, you know, the hockey operations side, um, again you got D Dean McDonald and Glenn, who are so passionate about the team and about the organization you know, I just, I had a good feeling from the start that this is going to be something special. And then, you know, with the whole Newfoundland growlers, as opposed to St. John's growlers or anything else, it really gave us a chance to tie into the province, I believe, which was something that we saw. And um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to be part of Ryan that first, that first year, uh, the whole kickoff of the team and the success that we had in that first year was was something special on and off the ice.
0: Yeah. And, and you touched on uh, the Leafs involvement and then trying to get the logos ready and bringing in those local players and and uh, obviously the branding of Newfoundland. There's all these different parts behind the scenes that you have really have to think about before you actually hit the ice. Uh, some people maybe don't have the experience to work with an expansion team that's coming in really from the bottom up and you have to put everything in place. So can you maybe talk about what goes in the early stages, maybe building the hockey operations staff and the training staff and and what that experience was like?
1: Yeah, well, certainly on our side with the with the Growlers, the uh, the Leafs really kind of ran that side of it, Ryan, and and they, I thought they did a great job putting a team together. Um, you know, in in that first year, you had you know Ryan Klo coming back uh, to be a head coach. Ryan had, as we know, a wonderful NHL career. Um, you know, had gone and do some assistant coaching, some video coaching, some scouting. So he was coming in with a with a great hockey pedigree and great background to uh, to be a kind of a lead person for us, and then. I think bringing in John Snowden, who had, you know, uh, who played in the ECHL, um, who had coached for a number of years in the, a- in the ECHL, to bring him in to kind of give us a bit of that experience, um, the ECHL experience, knowing the league, knowing the players. Um, and he's just like, he's a good hockey person in general. So having him there as well. And then, you know, Paul Dagg was there from the coaching side, he came in as video coach. So I think right away, I, I think the the Maple Leafs did a nice job of assembling a coaching staff. And then, you know, you bring in your your Neil Davidson's athletic therapist, Andrew Koch's equipment. Both of those are young and up-and-comers in our game. And uh, they certainly have a special passion for it. And then there's, there's other support staff, too, as you can appreciate, Ryan, with regards to, you know, strength and conditioning and everything else. But, you know, the Leafs made a commitment to bring in some good coaching. And to their credit as well... Um, even with regards to skill development consultants and um, skills coaches, you know, on the road, there was a big presence of uh, Marley's and Leafs personnel throughout the season uh, still continues to be now. Uh, they've made trips down to St. John's at different times during our home stands to, you know, work with the players, work with the coaches and uh, really help enhance their skill set to get to that next level. So from, you know, the Leafs perspective, you know, they had to put a full coaching staff in place, And it was something that we as a growler supported and, and Glenn was a part of uh, the process going through it. Um, But, you know, they, they showed from the start that they were committed to putting the right people in in place here in St. John's and uh, making sure the Newfoundland growlers had the pieces they needed to really build up um, what we hoped it would be.
0: Yeah. And you talk about those, those key people and that the strength of the coaching staff, Uh, we had a listener want you to touch on the Ryan close situation we obviously know he had some injuries late in his career and it kind of transitioned uh, into his coaching career. So just talk about maybe the strength of the coaching staff and how they really, uh, you know, elevated their, their abilities during that difficult time.
1: Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a, a situation, it was an unfortunate situation that we, we lost Ryan halfway through the season, but I, I believe it goes to show the strength. And, you know, I've, I've always said over the years that you need to have good people surrounding you. And to the credit of those people around Ryan, there were some strong people there and they stepped in and did a wonderful job. And, you know, when, when Ryan started to have first have some symptoms and stuff, we obviously we want Ryan's health to be the most important thing. He's a young family and we want Ryan to be well, Um, you know, certainly want him to be a part of our team in any way possible. But the biggest thing for him was his health. So, you know, he was encouraged to make sure he took care of himself. And, uh, but you know, to Ryan's credit, even when he had to step away from the team, you know, he took some time away to kind of get himself back together. But, you know, he stayed in touch with with John Snowden a lot. And I think they've developed a really nice relationship over the last couple of years. So even though Ryan wasn't with us uh, every day, he was certainly still around it. And, and when he came in, uh, in that, I remember the first team meeting and some of the guys still chuckle about it. But, you know, Ryan really made an impact on these players right away. Like he he showed them who was running this ship yeah. and how this was going to go. And uh, he instilled um, some foundations for success for me from that first team meeting. And then I I believe to the credit of John Snowden and uh, Paul Dagg, and then they brought Darrell Williams in, you know, who had a tremendous uh, pro experience as well to bring to the table. um, You know, those three guys just carried on what Ryan had started and they had been a part of it from the start. And they had, you know, some of their own thoughts and philosophies as well, but they, they saw what was building And they just did a wonderful job of keeping things moving. So the fact that we had such good people around the team from the start and working with Ryan closely and, you know, the fact that John had so many great coaching experiences and his own playing experience to to kind of buy into, uh, it was a a fairly seamless transition, to be quite honest, which was phenomenal. And a full, again, full marks to John and Daryl and Paul to work at that and, and make sure it's continued to happen but they came in and you know, you never want to lose your coach halfway through the season. But obviously, you know, family and health is important. But like I said, having, you know, good people around you and, you know, kind of believing in um, the model you put together as an organization that, that the model was in place, basically. And the foundation was in place and, you know, John had been a part of helping to build that uh, environment. So when he took it over, he he, you know, I'll say took the ball and ran with her, took the puck and ran with it and just uh, did a phenomenal job and continued in this year or two did a phenomenal job as well. And I know he's got lots of support on his coaching staff and his support staff, but you know, the people around you are so key and and everyone believing in what's being built to create that wing environment.
0: Yeah. And in, in hockey operations, you, you look to build that foundation and have it in place to really help your players succeed. But eventually there comes a time where the players then have to do their part and bring it to the ice. Uh, Obviously after, after that, uh, all that turned out, uh, you started going on this run uh, in your first season and the fans really took a hold of it. And you went right to the Kelly cup championship. Tell us about that experience and, and what it was like uh, being able to watch that day in and day out.
1: Yeah. Well, I remember being in in Toronto and the announcement came about uh, Ryan officially stepping down and we had all the players at the Marley's training facility at the time, actually. And Kyle Dubas and Lawrence Gilman and um, Mike Dixon and, and John Snowden were there. And, and Kyle went in to address the players and kind of advise them of what was happening. And the, the message was nothing changes, this continues. We've got a good thing going here and John's going to lead us the rest of the way. And this is where it goes. And, uh, you know, right away, you can you see the players, they were, they were committed and, you know, They obviously had a ton of respect for Ryan and and they were going to miss him being around, but they had full respect and a ton of respect for John Snowden as well. And this is the message they were given and they were going with it. And that team, um, once again, to their credit, were a great group of people. They they were a really talented hockey team, but just a tremendous group of people as well uh, in the dressing room, in the community, and uh, just a, a fun group of guys to be around because they cared about each other genuinely and wanted to win. And there was that that pride, that commission, that uh, commitment, that respect, that they wanted to do well, and they wanted to win as a team, succeed, and they thought they had something to prove too. They were the new guys on the block, and they wanted to prove themselves that they were, you know, deserving to be in this league, and they were proud to be part of the Leafs organization and proud 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 of the Growlers organization, and, and wanted to do well. So, to your point, we had a couple of good runs there in the second half of the season, and then when when the playoffs started. You know, when the playoffs start, it's anyone's game at that time because, you know, all the scores reset and start 0 0, and, you know, the team that wins the four series comes out on top. And uh, you could just sense that, I think throughout the season, we sensed we were pretty good. But then when the playoffs started and we had some tough series to start, which I I believe helped us as we went through the playoffs because there was was a lot of, um, you know, competition between the teams that we were seeing. Um, There was a pretty level playing field. So we were challenged each and every way throughout the, the playoffs. And, uh, but you can see our team kind of continuing to gel and bond. And when they were thrown a little bit of adversity at different times during the playoffs, whether it be a loss or a, a penalty call or, you know, a segment of a game um, they never lost focus, never lost sight. And, you know, I really believe that, that the whole team bonding piece that Ryan and John had pieced together early in the season, helped with that. And the way they continued to build themselves as a team uh, throughout the season just it really built them for success and then to go through you know we, we played Manchester we played Brampton uh, we played Florida and then met Toledo in the finals and you know all four of those teams were great teams as well but you know our guys they, they were they were all in they were ready they were ready to play and like I said there was some adversity along the way in the playoffs but the way that John and his coaching staff handle things the way that you know, James and Adam and the leadership group really took things. You know, took young players under their wing and, and helped. Um, you know, to see them rally and you know to win the uh, the Kelly Cup on home ice against a really good Toledo team and that that series was amazing. You know, down in we had the first two games here. The place was on wheels at Mile One Center. Uh, the three games down in Toledo, that place was rocking like it was so noisy, and the whole city was a buzz. And then to come back here and win in Game Six. Um, you know, what, what an unbelievable feeling and just having, you know, basically celebrating a one year anniversary of that just last week. Uh, lots of wonderful memories, but, you know, it all comes down to building that culture and building the environment and, you know, surrounding yourself with people who have the same beliefs and the same wants of, of, as you as an organization, leadership group. And that's what really happened here. The Leafs have done a phenomenal job of building the infrastructure for it. and We as a growler's organization are supporting whichever way we can. And, uh, you know, the success in year one was phenomenal. We were having a great year, too, before everything happened with COVID-19. So it was unfortunate we didn't get a chance to, um, you know, try and defend our title last season. But we were having a great year, and we were excited to get back to the playoffs and see what could happen. But yeah, it all starts with a great foundation, putting the right people in place, and again, making sure you have the right messaging
0: throughout the season. Exactly. And, and you talk about building the culture, but at the same time, having that right environment. Uh, you, when you touch, look back at the game against Toledo where you ultimately won the championship and the atmosphere with the ugly sticks and the cowbells and, you know, it was like a game seven of Stanley Cup playoffs in that building. Uh, a lot of players who come through to the Growlers organization and players that have came through to Ice Caps before and the Baby Leafs and the list goes on and on uh, have always talked about Newfoundland being like a second home. You know, the other day, Brady Ferguson touched on it uh, in his announcement that he was going to go play in Sweden. Uh, the night of the championship, Todd uh, Skirving was uh, bringing the flag out, out over his shoulders on the ice. Uh, talk about how the players really adapt and, and gravitate towards the culture of Newfoundland. And from a hockey operations standpoint, how important is that for players to do that, whether it be at the ECHL, ECHL level, the junior level, or even at the pro level?
1: Yeah, I think a couple of points there, Ryan. One is that I, I, I truly believe St. John's is a great place – for a young pro hockey player, um, because you learn how to be a pro. Um, you know, with some of these people, if they're walking down, you know, a big city street, they might get on. They might not be noticed because they kind of blend in, and there's other professional athletes and stuff around. But here in Saint John's, people know you're with the Growlers, and they, you know, they see you in the in the community, and uh, it's something that I think is a great training ground for pro players. And our players throughout the years, to so the Baby Leaf days. Um, into the ice caps, into the growlers, you know, we've had some great players come through here and I think have really benefited from their time. You know, as as you know, this is a great organization or great city, great province. People love their, um, you know, they they just love being Newfoundlanders and Labradorians and it's an opportunity that, you know, I think players come here, they feel a part of the community very quickly. Uh, to your point, you know, Todd with that Newfoundland flag, uh, Brady talking about it and on, on his kind of message to uh, the fans. Um, they, they, truly, they truly like playing in St. John's. And, and sometimes, too, as you can appreciate when you know, you're bringing a player into St. John's, Newfoundland, they say, OK, where am I going? I have no idea. You know, most of them haven't been past Ontario or the Maritimes, So for them to come to St. John's it's a big change. But once they get here and once they see how they're treated by the organization, once they see how they're treated by the fans, um, a lot of them fall in love with the city fairly quickly. And uh, obviously, it's a beautiful place to be. There's lots of things for them to do during their, uh, their downtime, which they don't have a lot of, but they can obviously in, enjoy some of the sights and sounds that St. John's and the province has to offer. But, you know, it really comes down that they're coming to a, a brand new place and, and just the way they, they're, they're made to feel welcome. By, by the community and, and as an organization we really uh, strive to make sure that they're having a positive experience here and taking care of the players taking care of their families uh, the best that we can uh, through the American Hockey League days and now into the ECHL days that's that's a big piece of our hockey operations group is to make sure that you know these players have what they need our help to be taken care of and like I say not just them but their families as well because we want these players to you know, basically take away any distractions we can from them so that they can, can concentrate on being pro hockey players and developing themselves on and off the ice.
0: That's great. And it, it creates like a family-like atmosphere. And like you said, that really helps with team bonding and all those aspects. Uh, you touched on a little bit about how this season, obviously COVID-19, cut it short, but you were talking about how you were having a fairly successful season. Uh, a lot of people, their goal is to win that championship, but once they get there, their next step is how do we continue the success and not, you know, fall into the, the Stanley Cup hangover or, or whatever it may be. So uh, can you touch on what your thought process was following the season and how you, uh, you know, tried to avoid that situation and maybe touch on the uh, home win streak as well?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I really feel that, um, you know, we, we celebrated the win, uh, in our inaugural season, we celebrated and we had a great time at the parade and, and some other activities after it was all done. Um, you know, the players had a chance to celebrate it during the summer um, and and take it all in. And they should because, you know, it's a tr- tremendous experience. And, and some people win championships, some will win many, some will win none. So I think when you do win it, you should celebrate it. Um, but then when the players came back, I think it even started, you could see the change gradually over the summer. But when the players came back, they were ready to go again. And that was the message that was given to them early by the coaching staff and by the organization was that last year was something special. No one can take it away from us. But that was last year. Now we've got to get ready for year two. And we've got to be ready to go. Like, and, and we knew that everyone's going to be after us. Everyone wants to, to beat the champ and, and all that kind of fun stuff you've heard over the years with different slogans. And, but So we knew we are going to have a target on our, on our backs all season. Um but once again I, I have to give full credit to you know John and Daryl and Paul and what they're doing in the dressing room each and every day. They're they're building that culture there about winning and becoming a, a, a good person um on and off the ice and being an elite type person. And uh, you know, to the credit of the players that we had back from that year one team, they were they were hungry for it again and there was no real let up. They they were focused and ready. And then you had some new players coming in who were very talented. And uh, I think great additions to our hockey team. And they, you know, they see the pictures in the dressing room, the championship win. They heard the stories from the players in year one, talking to the fans about the excitement. So they, they were into it. And so from the returning players and the new players that mixed into the, the organization very, very well, um, right from the start, Ryan, they, they were ready to go. And then, you know, this season with the, the 19 game winning streak, you know, that I, I I've never been a part of something like that before. That was that was unreal. And there were some games that you felt very comfortable in. There's other games that you may have squeaked out, but that's how streaks go. That's how the playoffs go. Sometimes you you know there's games that you maybe should lose that you end up winning. Just there's sometimes whether it's a bounce of the puck, whatever it happens. But yeah, that it wasn't talked about a whole lot within the dressing room while it was happening. But uh, when it when it was over, it was a chance to kind of look back and say, wow, that was another another pretty special achievement for a hockey team. And I, I do believe it was going to help set things up for the playoffs, you know, after winning that, going through that streak and seeing how, what you had to do to do that. And then, you know, having a few ups and downs after that, which is, which is good. Every team needs a little bit of adversity heading into the playoffs. And uh, I thought we were set up for a pretty good run again this year. I was excited to see where it was going to go, but unfortunately, yeah, uh, COVID-19 had other plans for us, Your yeah. year, year two of the growlers was certainly to be special as well.
0: Definitely. And yeah, COVID-19 obviously playing a a big part in uh, deterring a lot of teams this season. Uh, So I guess maybe now we'll talk a little bit more about your role in everything. Uh, Maybe just walk us through what a day to day routine looks like for you, obviously, before COVID-19 came through and maybe talk about the difference on an off day or when the teams on the road and then maybe a game day.
1: Yeah, a big piece for me is really supporting the coaching staff in every way I can and supporting the players. And, um, you know, a big piece for me is kind of overseeing all the logistics around the team. Uh, I I do some stuff with the league and I go to the paperwork and a bit of everything. Um, The the one great thing about hockey operations is that no day is ever the same. There's always something that comes up. And. You know, while Mike Dixon and and John are doing a great job, and and Lawrence Gilman as well, with regards to players for the Growlers and scouting staff of the uh, the Maple Leafs organization are doing a nice job of identifying players. You know, John and Mike and Lawrence have done a wonderful job with regards to putting the right pieces in place. And then from my side, is supporting what goes on from a day to day perspective on the hockey side. And you know, I'm I you know I'm helping with the day to day operations of the on the uh, the overall organization. But, you know, a big focus for me is the hockey operations side. And uh, as I say, kind of putting that support in there. And, you know, for, for those around the hockey world, they know it's long days. Um, you know, for me on, on game days, I'm, I'm usually in the office around, you know, 8 o'clock, 8.30. And probably getting home to my house, you know, 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night. They're long days. It's something that we talked about early in the podcast. If you're passionate about it, then th- that's, that's part of the deal. You know, it's not just going hang out for three hours, watch some hockey and come home again. There's a, there's a lot more to it than that. And so, you know, obviously different than practice days, practice days are a little bit different than off days, but they're really, you know, during the season, there really is no off days for the hockey operation side, the coaches, uh, management, et cetera. There's always something happening. And, you know, you give the off days for players to go home and catch a, catch a breather, um, but for the management and coaches, there's always something happening. And, you know, when you do get a few hours to kind of take a deep breath, you, t- you take the advantage of that. But there's always something happening. And, you know, when the team's on the road, uh, in, in year one, I traveled with them the whole season. In year two, I didn't travel as much. I, I did a lot more stuff from uh, from here in St. John's. But, you know, same thing. If the team was on the road, I was basically staying up late to make sure they are getting into the right hotels and checking in okay. And if there was any concerns, I was dealing with it. So, you know, it could have been two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning here locally, um, but you're, you're, you're up and you're making sure that everyone's taken care of. It. And, you know, having the support of, of, you know, Chris Ballard on the road this past season helped, certainly. But, you know, my, my role is to make sure these guys are taken care of. And if it means me staying up a bit later to make sure that happens, that, that's part of it. And, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, again, like I said, it's long days, long hours, but it's something that I feel very fortunate to be doing. And uh, every, every day looks a little bit different and there's no real set routine because you go in and I, I've, I've found over the last 20 years in the hockey world that you might go in and set an agenda for yourself for the day, but there's a good chance that you're adding to the agenda or you're making some changes to the agenda as, as your day goes on. So, you know, you, you can make a plan, but you better be ready to, uh, you know, pivot fairly quickly as well and be ready for something different. So it's, it, you know, for me, I, I love that not everyone can go in and, and have that type of uh, life, but for me, it's been great. And that's something that I really treasure. And I feel very grateful and fortunate to be doing and, and hope to do it for
0: a long time to come to be quite honest. For sure. And, and you touched on a few lessons you learned about uh, accepting the long days and, and knowing that uh, sometimes it's going to be work in the middle of the night to get the job done and, and knowing where to take your breaks and whatnot. Uh, in your 20 years, is there other major lessons that you learned along the way that, Maybe people who are just starting in the industry will still have to learn themselves and maybe some guidance that you can shed in that perspective.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I think, you know, what I talked about earlier too was surrounding yourself with good people. You know, I think in any type of business, whether it's sport or corporate, whatever the case might be, you need to have good people around you and people you can trust and have confidence in. Um, that's, that's a, a huge thing for me. Um, you know, I, I've been so fortunate through my time with Hockey Canada, with the Oilers, uh, Ice Caps, Growlers. I've had so many wonderful people around us each and every day that I, I feel so fortunate to have been around those people um, in these organizations. Um, I think when you do have people like that, you've got to keep your ears and eyes open and, and never stop learning, and don't be afraid to ask some questions of how how you can improve yourself, how you can improve the, how, or help the organization. And just learn from people's, you know, their experiences because everyone's coming into a role, uh, bringing a whole bunch of experiences, a whole bunch of lessons that you can learn from. So don't, don't ever go into a position thinking you know everything because you don't. And if you ever get to that feeling, then I, I think that starts to create some trouble because it, it's evolving every day. And you know, I, I used to be one of the young people in the group. I'm starting to become one of the older people in the group. and. Um, you know, I'm learning every day from people that are older than me, people that are younger than me. And, uh, it's something that I I love that part of it, that it's it's never a dull moment. There's always something happening. So you had to be, you had to be ready for that and be flexible to take on, you know, different roles. And you had to realize too, that if you're going to be getting into, you know, whether it be junior hockey, uh, ECHL, even AHL to some level that, you know, you're going to be taking on different roles and you could be identified as a hockey operations person, but, now the staffs at, you know, uh, ACHL, AHL are not the same level as NHL staffs. So you're going to be expected to take on different opportunities, which personally I think is awesome, especially if you're a young person getting involved in the game. Uh, getting a chance to learn all aspects of an organization is a huge asset. And the more the more experiences you can get, it's, it's only going to help you as you continue to go through, whether you want to be, um, you know, full-time hockey ops, uh, whether you want to be on the community side, corporate side, whatever it might be. Uh, getting as much experience as you can in every aspect of the organization it is great. Um, you know, I think you got to have some fun along the way. If, you know, going to a job that you hate, that's not a good thing. And I think if that's, if you're going to a job that you hate every day, then you really need to look and maybe make a change. But, you know, despite the long hours, despite, um, you know, there's lots of demands on us, um, you know, in a positive way, we, we have to have some fun. And, um, you know, we have a great group of people around the growlers, in the dressing room, on the ice, in the boardrooms. And we've been able to have a few laughs along the way as well, which is important because without those relationships and without, you know, having the chance to share a laugh from time to time, the days will get really long and hard. And, um, you know, I think that also helps with various relationships with your fans and stuff as well. So, you know, I think the biggest lessons are, you know, have the pride, have the commitment, you know, respect what's going on in the organization. Uh, surround yourself with good people and and have some fun along the way. And I think the last thing I'll say Ryan on that one too, is, you know, be a good person and make the right decisions. It's something that we've been hearing since we were three years old from our parents and families and teachers. But, you know, it's something that I think people get a lot of respect when they see that you're hardworking, when they see that you're committed and you're, you're a good person making good decisions. Um, I think that goes a long way among employers and organizations Um, so that, that's something else I feel is so important as a a young professional getting into the, you know, to what's going on, or even someone who's been around for 25, 30 years, you know, don't, don't change being a good person. Don't change the fact that you care about others and you want to see others succeed.
0: Exactly. And you touched on, uh, some of the different people that you learned from and the connections and the laughs that you've had in the boardrooms and, and different people, uh, maybe just once again talk about some of the people who mentored you and how vital you think that that mentorship and having that network of people in the industry, uh, helped you in becoming successful.
1: Yeah, for me, um, you know, Pat McLaughlin, was, as I mentioned a few times now during the podcast, he was a huge, um, asset for me and a role model and mentor early. And, um, he opened doors for me, like I said, and I was always impressed by Pat just because of the way he conducted himself. Um, you know, he was heavily involved in the community himself, doing a lot of minor hockey coaching, and we had a chance to coach together when I was living in New Brunswick. And um, just I was I was impressed by Pat right from the start because he was very professional. But he also had a good personality and carried himself very well. And I, I can say the same thing about Glenn Stanford as well. You know, Glenn, you know, having worked with him for the last almost ten years, um, you know, just just so impressed by the way that Glenn has a and such a level of professionalism about the way he does things, but. At the same time, he's able to be a person and, and talk to others and see how they're doing. And I think that's that's who I've tried to model myself over the years with someone that works hard and is committed and wants to be as professional as possible, but also create some of those personal relationships. Um, because I think that's that's important that, you know, you've got to be professional around your colleagues and that. But if you're like a robot and, you know, you have a bit of a personality also. And so learning from those two guys have been, you know, huge uh, um, huge role models and mentors to me. You know, I, I always kind of hate starting to name names because I'm always afraid I'm going to miss somebody. But, you know, when I first went to uh, St. John, Luke Richard was my my boss there um, years ago here in Provincial Hockey. Gary Martin was a big uh, role model for me and mentor. And we stayed friends for all, all these years. And, you know, there's... And out in Edmonton, um, you know, Stu McDonald, who had spent some time in St. John with the flames during the AHL days, and then spent has spent many, many years in Edmonton and has been very well out there. Like just people like that, and, and there's many others too. And I'll apologize up front if I if I miss anybody, but there's just been so many wonderful people I've been around over the years. And you know, as much as there's like these good people I've just mentioned, there's also been a few people I've learned some things not to do from. Um, and I've I've seen that some of the decisions they made weren't always the best decision. So I've, I've learned from that as well. So try to avoid some of those obstacles that they may have created, uh, by not making the same mistakes myself, but, you know, find someone in your life or find someone in your organization or in your community that you respect, um, you know, get to know them, let them get to know you a little bit. And uh, as I said earlier, don't be afraid to ask questions and, and see what's going on. And, You know I'm a big believer that if you work hard and you put the time and effort in, people will notice that. And then you never know when the door might open for you to get into an organization. It might not be at the level you want it to be, but your foot is in the door and then it's up to you to see what you do with it from there. Um, But yeah, just, you know, the Pats, the Glens, and even on an ownership side with Dean now and then Danny before that, um, just so fortunate to be around great people um, who are such good people in the hockey world, but also just good business people as well. And uh yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to learn from those guys over the years, Ryan.
0: Yeah, you, you talked about a number of uh number of people there who shared some great qualities and I like the point of also learning the bad qualities as well in amongst that. Uh I guess I guess we'll conclude it with one final question. Uh if you could go back to yourself, maybe eighteen years old, coming out into the world uh out of Mount Pearl, what uh what advice would you give yourself? If you could give yourself one one little token of advice. Oh, uh, that's a good one, right? Um, I think it would be kind of put your out
1: put yourself out there a little bit. Um, you know, I felt I did that through my my coaching and uh, volunteering. You know, I, I made the decision, like I said, when some of my friends were doing um, you know going other places on a Friday night or Saturday night, I, I was at the hockey ring. You know, giving back to the game because I was doing it because I was hoping it would help launch something someday, but at the same time, I just truly love giving back. It wasn't, if I, if something happened for me personally, that was great, but I was, I really enjoyed giving back to the, the young players uh, within our baseball association, within our hockey association. Um, so I, I thought I did put myself out there, but I think there was opportunities for me to do it even more so, um, to maybe meet some more people, uh, to maybe try to educate myself a little more on, on certain aspects. And that's something I, I still, to this day, I try to make sure my education and learning doesn't stop. You know, whether it's through something formal um, or just some informal learning through, you know, reading different articles, um, watching different videos, uh, webinars, etc. Don't stop. Don't stop putting yourself out there. Don't hesitate and, uh, you know, have that confidence in yourself. You know, you're not going to go into something being the smartest person in the room, but be confident in what you can bring to a room and what you can bring to an organization. And then from there, learn. Don't stop learning. But, uh, yeah, just don't be afraid to put yourself out there and uh, be confident in your abilities that you have.
0: Yeah, all, all great points, and it's something when you talk with different hockey operations executives, they, they mirror the same thing. You know, just be, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, and, and it's okay if you don't know something right away. You know, work on the things that you do know, and then, uh, you know, learn things as you go through the industry and, and take every experience you can. Uh, Trevor, you know, I just want to say thank you for taking your time to come on the podcast. Uh, you provide some great insight, and uh, a lot of people don't get to see the ins and outs, especially at the ECHL level. So I think people really appreciate that. And I'm sure I can speak for everybody that I say, hopefully COVID-19 is, is no more and uh, the ECHL can get back and hopefully you can have continued success moving forward.
1: No, thanks. Man. I really appreciate being on the podcast and certainly to any of your listeners, if they ever have any any questions for me, you know, you've got my contacts and stuff like that, you know, at any time, if there's any questions about my career, what's going on. I love, I love talking, trying to help, you know, any new people trying to get into the industry. So by all means, please reach out to me anytime. I'd love to help where I can.
0: All right. Thanks, Trev. Thanks Ryan. Once again, I just want to thank Trevor Murphy for coming on the podcast and talking about his experiences in hockey operations As you can tell from the moment we started talking, Trevor was very candid and expressed his interest and desire to really dig deep in his answers and provide as much insight as he could. Uh, Personally, I look up to Trevor in the way that he was able to make a great career and and still working in that career, obviously. But coming from a small place uh, as Newfoundland, it's not always easy. And I think that if he can do it and the way that he did it with such professionalism is something to admire. Um, his answers were very, very insightful, as I said. And if anybody has any follow-up questions for Trevor, by all means, reach out to him. And if you uh, are looking for some further contact information, I'd be happy to help out where I can. So just send us an email at hockeymindspodcast@outlook.com at outlook.com or DM us on Twitter. Thanks again, everybody, for taking some time to listen today. We have a number of great guests coming up, with Alex Guinea being the next one. Alex is a Junior C General Manager with Port Hope and Assistant General Manager with Coburg Cougars of the OJHL. He is a young hockey mind and a good friend of mine that I met uh, through hockey. So I think as a younger guy and at a different level, he could be a great uh, person to listen to and give some advice for those maybe looking to break into the junior ranks. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear that one uh, in the next podcast. But for now, I just want to say thank you, for everyone, for listening and following on Twitter and uh, being interactive where possible. It's, uh, it's been fun so far, and I hope to have a number of great uh, speakers in the near future. So stay safe and all the best.